0: Welcome to Culture Cake and Yoga, the show where we take a look at anything employee wellbeing. We focus on how leaders successfully build this into their culture. So it is simply something that happens each day and becomes a habit. And we share how leaders and all employees can better look after their own wellbeing. Something that is so important today with the challenges we continue to face. I'm with Liz today, one of our very favourite uh, headteachers here at And I'm just going to ask her uh, to introduce herself.
1: Thank you very much. My name is Liz, Liz Bartholomew, um, headteacher of the Mayflower Primary School in Harwich, which is uh, a peninsula in northeast Essex. Um, I've been here now for about six years, just, just finishing my sixth year, and uh, been a head, well, I'm in my 11th year of headship. But um, yeah, Harwich is a uh, Mayflower is a lovely school. Harwich is a lovely place, but it is a very deprived area. Um, so we actually do have uh, about fifty-one percent uh, PPG pupils. So uh, it can be a challenge some days. Not going to lie.
0: <clears throat> and the reason I've asked them Lisa to join us on uh, the Welby podcast is because uh, they've been a customer now uh, in, 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 for four years and. Every year in their in their survey and the poster survey, they just scored outstandingly well. Um, if not the highest scoring, but it but it probably is. It's certainly in the handful of high scoring schools we've ever had. And that goes across all the four years. So through COVID, beyond COVID, and in the latest survey, which they've just run, and I did the results review with Liz last week, they continue to deliver. Uh, outstanding scores in all of the management standards. So I thought it'd be really useful to invite Liz uh, today uh, to say some of the secret sauce, to find out just how does she do it uh, when everybody else is talking about the real challenges. Um, and, and it's a primary school, but it's more than 50 staff. So it's a fair size. Uh, so um, so I'm going to ask Liz a number of questions. I'm going to start by just saying, hey, what is that secret sauce? You know, um, um, every year without um, fail, since uh, we started working together, you've demonstrated or your staff have demonstrated that their well-being is at a very high level. So, you know, how do you do it? Um,
1: well, there's lots of things, but I think um, one of the things I really believe in is that um, uh, we talked about this before, that just because it's a bit tough out there, actually, it doesn't mean we can't make it a really nice place to work. And teaching is one of the toughest jobs in the world. Um, and I really think that I'm a little bit of a what I call a bit of a Richard Branson. But actually, although in every school we say children that come first, you know, obviously safeguarding things come first, but actually, I kind of feel it needs to be that my my adults, my grown-ups, my staff need to come first because unless I've got really, really confident, happy staff, then that won't translate into the children. So it's a little bit back to front because obviously, yes, children come first in terms of everything else. but actually, I think staff are a massively high priority for me. And I think maybe that's the crux of of what we all do here.
0: No, I can't agree. And I think that's why we work together so well, because the philosophies, the values are so similar. Um, Because the best way to put children first, I think, is is actually to put staff first, which I guess doesn't necessarily mean you put children second, but it does mean that actually you've got to prioritise ensuring that, um, you know, staff are fit, healthy, motivated, feeling good, coming to work every day to, to, to do their best work and, and feel really valued and supportive, which I think is is what you, you do. Um, so we started working um, four years ago and in, in that very first um, survey you scored um, very well. So perhaps it'd be really good just to talk through some of those. We talk a lot about well-being, like building a house putting down firm foundations, um, you know, so maybe just talk about some of those foundations that enable you to put staff first or, you know, um, what have you done to make sure staff do feel that they're they're kind of loved, uh, belong and looked after?
1: I think it starts with the little things and I think it starts with um, a thank you or an acknowledgement of things they've done or things they've achieved. And by that, I don't mean going out and buying lavish gifts. I'm not talking about um, the same old emails all the time that, you know, generically say, oh, thank you, everyone, because actually that can be too much. But it's actually just saying a thank you at the right time to the right person and acknowledging that actually I do know what you're doing and I do know it's hard and I do appreciate what you've done. So I think little things like that. Then on top of that, there are other little tiny things that I think really help in a busy challenging workplace. Things like just making sure that we all know that there are times when we, when we email each other because you've always got some staff and I do get it that some you know have got busy lives outside of school. So actually they want to do all their emailing at 11 o'clock at night. Um, I'm old, I'm in bed by nine o'clock. <laughs> so actually I, I don't want to get an email at 11 o'clock at night. So we talked about having email parameters. Let's not email each other before eight o'clock in the morning, because let's pretend our day starts at eight o'clock. We all know it really doesn't. But let's pretend it starts at eight o'clock. And let's not email after about half past five. Again, we know it doesn't really end at half past five. But actually just having those parameters, I think, is really important because it means actually what you're saying is I value that you have a life outside of that time. And that actually we can schedule those emails. We can still write it while it's in my head. You know, there's always somebody that says, oh, but if I don't write it down now while it's in my head, I'll forget. That's fine. Write your email, but schedule it for eight o'clock tomorrow morning or for, you know, later on during the day. So I think little things like that, I think are really important. Just saying thank you and just acknowledging that actually we've all got a life outside of school. Even though I know most of us will work a lot for school outside of school which teacher doesn't but actually just acknowledging that that's a thing I think is really important
0: okay so those small things I mean it's interesting about emails uh, and it's something you know we, we talk about um, sometimes people fire back around yes but what about um, I get a lot of emails in at eight o'clock on a, on a morning and what have you um, I'm guessing you've agreed your approach but what would what you say to people that perhaps say well that's fine scheduling it like that. But what what if then I walk into work and I've got, you know, it's a Monday morning and I've got my plans and, and suddenly there's 10 emails for me to do and that adds to press. Is that something you've discussed or covered? Yeah,
1: that was all part of the discussion. And and we did all acknowledge that. And in fact, um, it becomes a, um, a joke now. It's part of our day because at eight o'clock, we all know that that might be when your email box, your inbox starts to go ping, 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 ping. But actually it's become... A bit of a joke it's become something nice that we can all laugh about um, because actually we'd prefer to have them within work when we're there than having them at 12 o'clock at night or whenever and I think it's important to have that understanding that yes you might want to send them at 11 or 12 o'clock at night but then it does put pressure on the person receiving because often when you receive an email you uh, we're all very conscientious in our jobs we all might think, oh, gosh, that person might think I'm ignoring them if I'm not answering that email. But we have to have that equal acknowledgement that, well, no, I'm not going to answer your email at midnight because, quite frankly, I'm fast asleep. So
0: okay.
1: it's that it's that give and take. And yes, it all was part and parcel of the conversation.
0: Definitely. I think that's important to agree, agree things, isn't it? And have you agreed anything around how people might um Uh, you know the timescales by which people are expected to respond um, you know any 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 things on that because I might get a load at at eight o'clock but is there any kind of um, agreement around (laughs) timelines when 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 I might expect a response or when parents might expect a response
1: yeah absolutely we've got a communication policy as well which outlines that sort of thing and depending on what email it is the type of email the kind of expectations of when do you think that should be answered especially with parents, because that's hard, because we also have other systems in place where uh, parents can communicate with us, not necessarily through email, but they might email or or communicate at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and expect an answer uh, by, you know, 11. And of course, we have to remind parents, well, no, but that's not going to happen because teachers are actually teaching in those times. And so, yeah, we do have policies around that. But again, all our policies in those kinds of situations are very much discussed. And um, we don't ever just say here blanketly, this is it. It's always a conversation, um, a, some kind of consultation uh, beforehand, which actually links really well with one of our other things that, that the staff here enjoy is um, we do have forums. We have teacher and support staff forums um which is an opportunity we we use um some of our staff meeting times and our um we have uh, staff meetings during the day for our support staff because they tend to work up to the end of the school day and not beyond but we have regular times for them to have forums where we open the floor and say okay you can either maybe talk about something that's troubling you or an issue within the classroom that you need help with or it might be something Uh, actually you'd like to share you might have come across something that you've done or seen and you'd like to share it as a real success Um, but it's just an opportunity to come to the table with something that maybe needs further discussion Um, and that's been incredibly successful um, in terms of sharing good practice with um, you know people come with uh, maybe uh, challenging um, scenarios and we all talk it through and come up with a wealth of ideas and people go away going oh well oh, I'm going to try that I'm going to try this oh thank you for that thank you for this and and that so it's giving them a voice so it's not just you know being part of a consultation or part of a policy making but it's actually having a voice in the wider sense in the school that I think is really important.
0: So before you, you very kindly sent me a list of all the things you you were doing after I did your results review. Um, which are always one of the most fun results reviews because when there's not a lot to talk about <laughs> and lot a good news it, it's much easier than some of the schools I talk about where there's a lot lots of opportunities or action uh, to do but before we jump into some more more things you know ju- just I, I guess you know just speculating really if you go to schools that score poorly for instance on our survey or where perhaps well-being isn't good or where they're losing staff because of the environment now what what are some things you probably identify that might be going wrong that might need uh, people to focus or if you were going to a new school that wasn't performing well you know where where might you look
1: i look at staff absence because that's always a key area to look at if there's high staff absence i i want to dig deeper and find out why um Mm -hmm. i think that that often is one of the root Um, not a cause but that's a a root um, area that is going to signify that well if they're not here is there a reason why they're not here Um, so I think looking at staff absence is is definitely something Um, and looking at some of those processes about um, things like um, how are you monitoring what's going on is it a very formal judgmental process or is it very much a developmental process that's done with the staff Is there a a mixture of, you know, um, developing and CPD and, um, you know, forward thinking or is it very much a them and us scenario? I think all those sorts of things are really important to um, consider um, in a school um, and in an environment. It's all about the culture and the ethos of the school. I think that's what's really, really important is actually we're all in this together. So let's make it a really nice place to be. Don't want to come to work and be miserable.
0: No, absolutely. So, just talk about some of those developmental opportunities that you use in your school, or how you've gone about building that the ethos that I know is there—that this really inclusive and supportive culture. You know, what what are some of the things that you you kind of do to avoid the idea of monitoring and judgment judgment?
1: So, um, obviously, we do monitor. That's part and parcel of the senior leaders' role anyway, and subject leaders. But we have over the years developed. Um, some really interesting monitoring processes. We started off by um, still doing partly um, formal lesson observations, but half of it was less the lesson observation, but just talking to the children um, about their work, you know, with their books, not just taking a pile of books away and blanketly making a judgment. It was a, a developmental process. As talk to the children, what's in your books, to see a little bit of the lesson, look at the planning. But at the end of the day, we still found after surveying our staff that they found these really stressful because at the end of the day, we're still going in and doing a lesson observation. They imagine you coming in with your clipboard, you know, a bit like an inspector and that terrified them. So uh, we talked about well, what would you prefer? What what do you like? They loved the bit where you'd sit down with the children, talk about their work, look at their books and have that pupil voice. So we've developed that even more. And we now use um, something called the pupil book study, which is from a a book by a a chap called Alex Bedford. But um, instead of having the formal lesson observations, which to be fair, let's be honest, a lot of the time are sort of standalone lessons that have been planned weeks in advance and a little bit different from your normal practice. Instead of that, we just do a lot more learning walks. We spend a lot more time in people's classrooms daily doing learning walks or whatever you want to call them, lesson dips, I don't know what you want to call them, but it's just being out there. And it's not just me as the head, it's not just the deputy, it's my senior leaders, but it's everybody. So now we're all part and parcel of learning walks. So where we have subject release time, and I do understand in some schools, that's very difficult to give people additional release time. We're lucky we're a two form entry primary. Um, So we've got a lot of bodies, and we can internally cover that. But I let people have that release time to get out and have a look and see what's going on. So if you're uh, an English lead, a maths lead, a history or a geography, you need to see what's happening in those lessons. So we do very much do the monitoring, but it's in much more of a less judgmental way. It's more, much more formative. It's like, all oh, right, I've gone around and I've seen this great practice. I've seen that great practice. I've talked to the children. I've seen what's going on in their books we always have it on an agenda in a staff meeting to feed back and talk about it. We can have development points. This is where we're going as a school. This is where we need to be looking forward. These people doing these things really great. Obviously, if there's an issue, if there's something we find, we think, oh, that's not quite right, then that's done privately, you know, one to one, and things are worked out. But actually, the sheer fact that they don't have the threat of the lesson observation three times a year I'm going to come in and do a lesson observation now I'm in and out of the classroom all the time and they don't even really notice because it's part and parcel of what we do they're not worried if they don't get immediate feedback because actually if you don't get immediate feedback it probably means everything's actually fine um yeah. but you know it, it's those sorts of things and that they are they feel trusted that actually they're doing their job and that that, that I know they're doing it well Um, And that, yes, I will pop in and see them and I will have a talk to their children. I will look at their children's books with their children. But actually, they know that that is just part and parcel of what we do. And they no longer feel judged or sit in fear waiting for the day that I say, right, now it's time for our termly whatever's." Um, So I think that's been a real process and and has one, one that's been really valued by the staff. They feel much more valued. They feel much more trusted. But at the same time, because we're doing it to each other, they're also getting development because there's nothing better than actually going and seeing somebody else do it and going, oh, I really like what you're doing in there. Oh, I I might try that in my class. And that's all part and parcel of the development. You know, it develops um, your teachers that are maybe newer, less experienced. They might do it, first of all, with a senior leader to help get that experience and to learn from them. It's all part and parcel of of developing and and being a team and and working towards the same goals I think
0: Uh, and and perhaps that explains as well because you know, when we look at your scores and we filter them and look at them across the different, um, you know, from support staff in and out of the classroom and teachers and, and leaders, you know, it was universally high scores across the board. So there weren't kind of groups that were, were looking uh, exposed. Uh, and I guess also when um, uh, you're doing this regularly, people probably expect and accept feedback from others as well um, if, if, we, if we're if we doing it um, two ways. So that that, that explains a lot. And it's about, I think, you know, um, creating that psychological safe culture. It's interesting, you know, when Google, when they did a lot of their people analytics and work about what makes a great team, um, they, um, they they came up with, uh, well, they discovered um, in their research that it was this psychological safety that was number one, um, that was the work of Amy Edmondson. And I, I think it's fascinating, uh, you know, if you've read people like Matthew Syed's book on black box thinking and, and things like that, that actually is probably the number one thing that people want is just to feel secure. And if they get things wrong, they'll get supported. It doesn't mean you tolerate poor performance. It doesn't right. mean you don't, it just means you do it with compassion. You do it yep. in the right way, yep. etc. Et and certainly when I speak to you and, and, and other bits, that's what I, kind of get back this this thing that irrespective of all the noise out there doesn't mean you can't just you know keep calm and and behave as I said with that compassion so Um, what are what are some other things then that you're doing because I I I guess people are much more interested in hearing practical tips from 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 um, people actually doing the job than they're listening to me so what what are some other things that you kind of highlight that you think Um, you do regularly or you've built into your culture that you think uh, uh, really make a difference?
1: So um, other things we do um, that are definitely built into the culture is that we, we work as a team. There's no working in isolation here. We might have subject leads, but you're not a subject lead on your own in isolation. You're actually part of a team. So we work in curriculum communities. We have five of them. We have the humanities, the creative, citizenship, equality and diversity, and the SEND communities. And actually working within a community means that you've got support, you've got people to turn to. So you're grouped in, you know, like-minded sort of subjects, and it means actually you're never tackling something alone. You're always, you've always got someone to talk to, to turn to, someone who will be supportive. Someone if you get stuck, you think, oh, I'm not sure what I'm doing here, that will help you. And we regularly meet as a whole team within those communities. We we meet within those communities, but as a whole team as well, the whole school together, which I think is really important. I think um, other little things like um, developing policies that are supportive of well-being in terms of feedback and marking. um, We have absolutely no need in uh, Mayflower Primary School to ever take home a pile of books or sit at the end of the day with a pile of books. It doesn't happen here. Uh, I mean, in my day, I mean, I've been teaching um, for nearly 30 years now. And I remember, you know, often if I taught maths and English and maybe science all in the same day, I would be taking home 90 books to mark. And actually that's not something, that's a thing of the past. So we're very much um, forward thinking in terms of um, live marking, adaptive um, marking, and feedback, so that there is no need for mark distance marking of those books. It's all done in the lesson with the children, immediate feedback, etc., which not only um, helps the children, as, a, as an obvious given, that if they're getting the feedback there and then, they're going to be able to actually um, do something with it. Um, but actually, it means you're not taking home piles of books to mark. So they're just two other really little. And,
0: that, and that's good. Just to add, and, and we know, because um, I know from your your good grades last year um, that, you know, um, you don't have to. In other words, doing what you've just done does not does not mean you don't get a good Ofsted rating. So, no, no. I, yeah, it
1: doesn't mean we don't, Mark. It means we're doing it in the lesson, yeah. not at home. With a glass I, I, of
0: I, 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 absolutely so there are things that you can do that don't mean you have to do huge work or that will allow you still to achieve the right um results i guess for your children you know in terms yeah. of the outcomes in terms of being seen to be doing the right things in terms of inspection but actually doing the right things for your staff to make absolutely. it um a, a, that work-life balance as 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 good as you can uh can, can do so um you know that's great so keep going because it's much more interesting kind of at, I, I know you're just looking down the, the things you shared but yeah, I've, only, I've,
1: I've got a bullet points of about 30 things here and we've only actually talked really about five of
0: them well pick, <laughs> pick, pick out we've, we've got a few minutes left so pick out a few more that you think um you know um have made have oh. made an impact or a difference that you yeah. you 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 regular because I know I know you check in regularly with staff. I know you talk talked to my stuff I know you're out yeah. and about but not 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 like all the time, but it is it is being um, intentional in what you do, isn't it? Often yeah, I'm
1: and, and yeah. planning
0: it, not just yeah. going. Oh, I've got an open door and you know, but actually planning a small amount of time. And I know talking to you, but when you've got something busy to do, it's okay to shut your door and yeah. get it done. Um, yeah. But as long as people know when they when when they yeah. have time and you're intentional about it, it kind of um, really works well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, over. That's to you. It
1: yeah, so the open door policy is a really important one, and you're right. I do have a little notice on my door that says doors open all the time. You can come in and talk about whatever you need to talk about. but if it is shut, probably actually means I'm uh, actually in a meeting or I'm on a phone call. but that doesn't mean I'm never going to talk to you. It means just can you come back a bit later when it's open. So definitely have that. The open door policy and being able to to talk openly and honestly with each other is really important. There are other silly things like um when I came here um six years ago, there was a little Tupperware box on the table with a few co- on my on my desk with a few coins in it. And I was sort of like, oh, what's this? And uh, I was told, well, that's the tea and coffee money and you're in charge of it. People have to pay you. And, and I went, what? So no, 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 no. When you come to work and you do a hard, you know, um, challenging job like we do, I'm not going to make you pay for your own tea and coffee. I know it's difficult in small schools with budget constraints but actually just being able to go and get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and have milk in the fridge whenever you need it i think is a really important thing it's so little but it is so important i used to do um we used to have a, a lot of biscuits and um chocolate going on in the staff room as well but actually having listened to staff they have said but actually that's not doing our waistlines any good as much as we love it so for a short while we've change the biscuits and the chocolate into a bowl of fruit. you know there's fruit in primary schools all the time isn't there because we get the fruit um scheme for uh, key stage one there's always bags of pears or things left over it just takes a nice little quiet word a nice friendly chat with your kitchen to say oh let's suppose I could have a couple of oranges or some grapes every week. and they actually do a beautiful fruit bowl for us in our staff room every week there's always some fruit for you in, at break time, as well
0: as your tea and your coffee. And just on that, before you go on, I'm just gonna say, it's interesting, cause I, you know this, cause I think it's where I started, when I first presented to the primary heads association in Essex all that time ago, just before COVID um, struck. Uh, and uh, you know, when you and many other schools from Essex kind of joined us, the um, I didn't talk around culture cake and yoga. And, <laughs> you know, people often say, cause it's culture first, well, there's nothing wrong with cake fruit and yoga necessarily. But only if you built the foundations first. So yes. putting a fruit bowl in, in a staff room like you're doing now would, would add no value if you hadn't done all the other things first, least, uh, if you weren't communicating yeah, well if you weren't doing the stuff. Yeah, so right. just, just 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 for those um, listeners out there, you know, this isn't a quick fix thing that we do right. all this nice stuff. You have to get the foundations right. Yeah. By all means, then add fruit, add staff activities. Do do the, you know some occasional cakes and chocolate? You know, fantastic, really add. But if the cake and the and the, and the yoga, the chocolates, the fruit are your strategy for staff well it 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 largely won't work. Well, not largely, it won't it That's won't sweet. work. Um, yeah. The the other thing I often say is it's tea, toilets, and leadership behaviours, and I think you encompass that. <laughs> that that really well you know um we provide the coffee we've got decent facility you know they don't have to be spectacular and know there's some older schools there but they, they we can keep them clean and they're good enough and then how the me and the leadership team behave every day it's really get those things right and we're we're, we're off and running.
1: I think um I, I talked about it a bit earlier about um actually you know really understanding what your staff need and what they want. And I felt um, that CPD continuing professional development was one of those key things as well. I think that's really important. That Actually, I value you and I'm not sending you on a course because I don't think you're good at something. I'm actually sending you on a course because I value you and I want you to develop even more. So um, our CPD opportunities here are also um, a high priority. In my first few years here, it was one of my biggest budgets. Um, above and beyond anything else because I really think staff need to be and feel valued and at the same time um, to be able to do that I think a lot of the time I like to give staff time to do things when they want to do things so for example we do have a policy here we have a PPA policy about and any release time that you might get but actually you can take that at home but actually I don't mind trusting you taking your PPA time at home. We'll have a policy in place. There are a few parameters. You know, don't be parading around yourself in a a beauty salon at half past one, whenever all the parents think you actually should be working. But actually, if you need to do something like maybe there's an event at your child's school, or maybe you'd really like to pick up your children from nursery one day, and the only way to do it is on a PPA afternoon, then that's fine. You do that. That's absolutely fine. It's a, a lot of it, I think. Is a bit of give and take. It is I'm I'm going to trust you to do this. Doesn't mean your planning's not going to get done. It does, it just means if I'm giving you the time to do that in your PPA, I'm trusting you that you're going to make up that time somewhere else. And I think that's a really important thing to have that give and take. Um, so with support staff, for example, um, they don't have planning time, but we do work on toil. So we do say, well, actually, if they need to do something and they're like, oh, I'd really like to do such and such and this has come up, then actually I might say, well, they're fine with swapping a day or saying, well, actually, I'd really like to come and help with sports day that day, but I don't work that afternoon. But if I didn't, if I went and did this that afternoon, could that be toil? You know, that kind of thing, having a bit of give and take, I think goes a really long way. And I know it's a fine line because in some schools, if you haven't got, like you say, you haven't got that culture and that ethos um, embedded and you haven't done the groundwork, then you might be in a position where people do start to take the mickey and they start to push the boundaries. But it's just having that mutual respect and understanding that, do you know what, I will listen and I will take this on board and I will do this for you if you do this for me. And I think that's a really important part of of a culture of a school. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because when we talk about flexible working, people often immediately go to job shares and and, and yeah. part-time, which, which again, are, are particularly important considerations, particularly if you want to retain um, staff that perhaps are, are having families, irrespective of whether it's fair on other people or not. You know, it's about the, the, the bigger picture. But flexible working comes in so many guises, as you say. Toil is a good example, time off in lieu. Um, as is um, you know um, being flexible and allowing people with the ppa yeah. and i often say when people say to me oh, flexible working in school is difficult i say it is it is far more difficult without a doubt you know and you know teachers working from home during the week or um, shorter working weeks very challenging to do any of that <laughs> so the question often is yeah but what can i do you know what what yeah. are the small steps we could take yeah. that would make a difference for people yeah. Intentionally would just show that we are give, doing give and take yes. where we are creating an environment where there is some flexibility yes. and as you say when you then need them or something goes wrong or there's a real issue they 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 yes. they, they give their time their, their time willingly you know that discretion yes. time willingly and and, yes. and it just creates a, a really good uh team spirit think, um, and, you know i think
1: mean, there's there's nothing sadder than talking to a teacher and them say, oh, I've never been to my child's sports day, or I didn't get to go to their leavers assembly in year six. And I think that's so sad because actually, you know, my children didn't come to my own, like where I worked in my primary school. I jumped to do many different primary schools during the time they wouldn't have been able to keep up. But I, you know, you, you don't always have your children in your school with you, but being able to say to somebody, of course you can have an hour to go and see your child's leaving assembly of course you can have an hour to go and join in and watch their sports day I think that's so valuable and I yeah. think people really do appreciate it and if it, if it's doable and it can be covered and it's not going to cost you anything which invariably it probably can be with staff helping each other out or yeah. HLTAs maybe doing something or however you organize it in your school there's always a little way that you can get through and, and actually work it out to, to help support staff in that way.
0: Yeah, Um We work. We're working towards the end now. So, so, um, so before I ask you my 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 final question, just from from your list, I guess, is there anything else that you haven't shared that you 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 think? Oh, I'd really like to just talk about this uh, as as a, as, a, as something we do or or how we've set things up.
1: I think the only other thing to talk about really is just making it um, a very obvious thing that we do in the school. So. We do have very obvious posters up that actually signpost stuff of places to go. It's not just something that's talked about or whispered about. We used to have, it's not there anymore, actually. We've moved it, but we had a great big display. You know, you have the children's displays. We had one for teachers. We had one for support staff. It was a big wellbeing display all about that your mental health is really important. And here are places and posters and things and signposts (coughs) where you can go and get help people or find other stuff out. And I think that's important. So what we also do is when we look at our, and this is a bit of a boring thing, really, but when you're looking uh, each year at your staff insurance policy, as we have to do in, in leadership, that's the boring side of our job. Actually looking at your insurance policy, has it got a wellbeing package linked to it? Actually, this year we found one where we saved money, but we got more, because we found an insurance package that has got a great big well-being package attached to it, that everyone has access to, and it's got a wealth of resources, and those are the sorts of things that actually, I'm not just picking any old insurance service that, that I want to use, I'm picking one that's going to work for us and our staff, so it's little things like that, that kind of go on behind the scenes, that I think are really important as well. And so, signposting and knowing where to go, and having those sorts of things in mind, is is really important too.
0: Yeah, no, that's spot on. And I know talking to you um, last week, um, obviously, we you've got access to the hundred, hundred get, get a little plug in for Wellbeing. You know, the hundred thirty plus wellbeing resources and the world's first AI. Personal well-being assistant for staff. But obviously, things like I know there's insurance companies that offer things like counseling and various other bits. So it really complements them well. Yeah. And I remember a conversation last week because although I know you've still got those posters up for people, I remember you saying, but am uh, I writing, just make sure I haven't got the wrong conversation, but you took them out of the staff room to make the staff, yeah. So yes, I just right. it's, it's useful. So yes. although they're there and people can find that, you yes. made a de- de- deliberate um, decision about. The staff room and apologies for yes. all those schools I know who haven't got the facilities and the and I do talk to some schools that actually don't have even don't have the room for a staff room. So apologies to those schools that don't have um personal facilities. But if you do, or even whatever your facilities you've got, you know, this is something I know Liz Liz did. Yes.
1: Yeah, we did um we budgeted for it and we did think about it long and hard, but our staff room was always very much a very bland, ordinary staff room with very ordinary school looking chairs and tables um, very generic and uh, we hated it it had boards you know health and safety notices it had our pigeonholes in it it was very school-led so no matter what you were doing in school you were always thinking about school and actually we took the decision and I didn't I have to confess this is one thing I didn't consult my staff with I did it in secret over a summer holiday and it was a big surprise was that I gutted it We painted it. Again, didn't buy the paint. I used paint that I'd got in my house. So one of the walls in the staff room is the same colour as my lounge at home. Uh, (laughs) But we did um, budget by um, chairs and tables and make it a little bit more interesting, a bit more comforting. It's got nothing linked to school in it. There's not a pigeonhole, a whiteboard, a notice, nothing. There are plants. There are shelves. There's a bookcase with books where we swap books and novels. There's pictures on the wall, a mirror on the wall, which is nice. Um, And it's very much a mixture of armchairs and little bistro tables. And now uh, uh, the staff, apart from the fact that they were utterly delighted when they first saw it. But actually, I now have many, many more staff coming to the staff room at lunchtime. And it turns into like a little busy. It feels like a cafe bistro-y Kind of vibe in there, and we chat and we talk. So there's only three little tables, so 12 seated around the three little tables all together, and then about eight or nine armchairs. They're only small ones because we couldn't fit in much space. It's not big by any stretch of the imagination, but it's enough that people now want to be in there. They want to be in there, they want to come and relax. And even you might only be grabbing your 20 minutes, eating a sandwich, and having a quick coffee before going back, but that 20 minutes. Is proper you time. And it's proper time to just go, oh, at the end of a tough morning. Um, and yes, we talk about work. Who doesn't? But actually, it's a safe space to talk about, oh, had an awful lesson this morning, not doing that again, or oh, something really funny happened in my class. Uh, I've got to tell you, it was so funny. And it's just a really, really good, buzzy, um interactive environment, and so many more staff go to it. Um, It's been brilliant, and even if I didn't have that budget, I think I'd. uh, And it wasn't a huge budget. I'm not going to lie, we're we're not talking big money. Um, But I think I would have had to have done something to revamp that staff room, even if it was just keeping the old chairs and tables and giving it a paint and getting off, getting away the awful notice boards. But actually, I just needed it to be a safe chill out zone, and it has been one of the best things I've done in a long time. They very, very much appreciated it. And all that stuff has gone somewhere else. It has gone somewhere else. We have still got pigeonholes. We have still got notice boards. They're just not in the staff room.
0: It's not interrupting, not interrupting time when actually we can be talking to each other, creating a buzz, relaxing, switching tasks, recharging yeah. our batteries, all those kind of things which is 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 brilliant um to be honest i was going to ask you a final question um but i i i think we've probably run out of time but go on i'll ask it i'll ask it very quickly anyway sure. just, just 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 a very short answer for you to finish so um you're obviously you've you've over the last years you've been there built a really good place to work i've seen that in person i can see it every time i talk to you i can see it in the results of your uh well-being um surveys and what happens afterwards um but you know, not every school's so lucky. you know we we, we, we work with schools that are in a much different uh, different position where actually we see from their staff comments in service some other stuff that actually it's not a great place to work. So if you could say, look, there's 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 one thing to start doing if if, if you're in that position and just there's one thing that you know, if you just started this month would make the biggest difference because um, some of those other things you've talked about might be a little bit more longer term. You know, if there's one thing you're just saying, look, just start doing this tomorrow, if you don't do it already, because people do, what, what might that be?
1: Listen. Okay. It would be to listen and to actually open your door and just listen and try to start unpicking what is it do people need? Where do we need to begin? But listening and giving staff that voice. And I don't mean a voice of, moaning and groaning and and I just mean just listen really listen what is it that is going to make the biggest difference to your staff because it's going to be different for everyone but just I think listening and and being that open honest leader I think is really really important being transparent
0: yeah no I I think that's spot on you know if you add to that that just being visible and and uh, and and know showing appreciation you know for me which is one of the biggest things we see and by that i mean walking about and in the moment and recognition that's specific you know just just doing those couple of things that i I know from from working lots of schools would, would make a massive difference liz i just want to say a huge thank you for for joining us for this podcast episode and for sharing some of the things that you do in your your school i know um, I'll be looking forward to working on next year and I look forward to your next survey, which I've absolutely no doubt is going to be <laughs> Spain, uh, uh, an outstanding uh, score just because of the things that you do with your team and that I see every time we talk. So thanks very much for uh, spending what what is effectively the end of your lunchtime, I guess, into the early afternoon um, uh, and giving that, that that time to us. Um, it's been a, a real privilege uh, talking to you and um uh, obviously as we as, as some people said to me this week as we crawl towards the end of term what we, we're on the Wednesday now and, and what have you as we crawl to the end of term I am um, uh, I'm not sure staff in your school will be feeling quite as crawling as they're doing some schools but I hope you and your team and actually everybody listening to the podcast episode have a, have a fabulous summer uh, uh, and particularly those working term time have the opportunity okay. to really Um, um, you know recharge batteries and to those of you that we work with in max that are on their are on their 12 month calendar contracts and what have you, um they always say to me though that actually it's a it's a great time to get things done because with the schools away um, at least they have more focus time and more time for themselves so whatever your situation you know i hope you have a fantastic summer and um depending on you're listening to this uh, because it might have happened already uh, but thanks again liz uh, for spending your time and i really do appreciate your uh, support for this and and uh, for your time as a customer.
1: Pleasure.
0: So, thanks, Louise. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Culture, Cake and Yoga. If you'd like to find out more about Wellbeing and how we can support your trust, district school or college with improving staff wellbeing and your climate to realise all the evidence-proven benefits visit us at welby.co.uk or reach out to me directly with a direct message on twitter to Wellby.